Hello everybody, hope you've had a well-rested weekend. This is FPL DJ here covering the games of the weekend, starting with the early kickoff on Saturday, Spurs Wolves. In this particular episode, I will look at how Spurs did, as well as what surprises Wolves sprang against them, looking at FPL assets as usual. But more importantly, what is sustainable moving forward for both teams. Spurs. The train keeps rolling, but this particular 3-4-3 still has the same weaknesses as Chelsea exposed last week. I will talk about how Wolves did it later, but the more important thing here is that Spurs were stubborn not to change formation even midway through the first half. They were largely reliant on their two central midfielders and the first difference between this game and Chelsea last weekend was that they attempted to drop Son and Kulusevski back into midfield in order to help make up the numbers. This didn't exactly work simply because Wolves employed a central midfielder up front in order to stifle the space of Son. While Kulusevski himself isn't a great player receiving the ball with his back to goal. So the first half basically for Spurs ended without a shot until the brink of half time, with Kane having his um, usual header from a cross. And game state basically dictated what Spurs did in the second half simply because their goal in the from a corner changed the entire game. Now Having said that, I'm going to move on to FPL relevance here because tactically, it's very unlikely that we will see an opponent like Wolves who adapt so quickly between four in the back and three in the back. With Spurs themselves, number one, what worked, that Perisic to Kane connection. Wolves did everything they could to limit that connection, forcing Perisic and Emerson Royale into extremely terrible areas. In fact, the Kane chance in the first half came from... Perisic being forced all the way virtually to the corner flag and yet he still managed to put in a deep cross for Kane's header. So the question comes down to whether you are willing to sit on your couch and be extremely frustrated by all these chances because Son currently is not displaying his imperious cut and shoot technique from either flank. And the biggest threat, honestly, comes from Kulusevski. Now, when we assumed that Wolves were playing forward back, it was a very obvious threat that Kulusevski would be one-on-one against Ayanuri. But more on Wolves' tactics later. In this particular case, Kulusevski only became a factor in the second half when Kane dropped deep. So the biggest concern here is that we rely on Kane to drop deep in order for Kulusevski to look threatening. So the question comes down to will they sustain this approach going forward? That is the decision you have to decide. You have to decide simply because Spurs don't give that away, at least until the second half. Wolves, who showcased their tactical intelligence by Bruno Large, with his newfound ability to vary between four at the back and five at the back, with the threat of Kolesiewski against Enuri on Wolves' left side, while Son Heung-min probably would go up against Johnny on the right. What happened was that he utilized Johnny's versatility as a fullback as well as a centre-back, playing a five-man formation that put Neto on the right side to pin Sessignon or Perisic back instead. Now, this worked to a T because it solved two problems at once. Number one, 
Enuri, instead of going up against Kulisevsky, would hand him over to Kilman, who was the left centre-back. Secondly, they had three men in midfield. Although it didn't look particularly obvious, they had Moutinho, Neves, as well as new signing Mateos Nunes, who outnumbered Spurs midfield 3-2. to two. So, what happened was that Wolves outnumbered them in midfield, and unfortunately were forced to taking shots from range. Now, there were a couple of Goncalo Guedes brilliances where he latched on to second balls, but still, at the moment, they none of them came beyond the Spurs' back line. So, if you're looking to offload Pedro Neto early, I would not blame you. Unless you foresee that Bruno Lage is going to switch back to his 4-2-3-1 and Neto would be within the chances again. The star player for Wolves here was Ainuri, as he was the only player to actually have link-ups beyond Spurs' backline. This is before substitutions, as a caveat. Now, Ainuri himself, number one, has the ability to work with anyone that works on his flank. Huang did it last season, Pedro Neto did it in the first two game weeks, and now he can even link up with Podens, who drifted to the left flank. Another unusual thing. So in conclusion, Wolves' tactics should look like a one-off and this 5-3-2, we will probably see it reserved for games against the big four away from home. Spurs, Chelsea, Liverpool City. Um, but as it stands, Wolves do not run to run into these opponents for the next few game weeks. So it's safe to say that they should return to their 4-2-3-1. And Neto should be a hold alongside Inori, alongside Podens, and perhaps with Guedes. In conclusion, Spurs and Wolves played two similar formations that stifled each other's attack. With Wolves dominating central midfield, no one is creating guilt-itched chances just yet. But we know that Ryan Enuri has the best and most consistent threat bursting into the box. As for Spurs themselves, we know that they can adapt to their situations, especially in the second half when Kane becomes playmaker and Kulusevski comes alive. Beyond those two players, it's difficult to say who will consistently deliver, although Perisic is always going to be attractive given his experience, given his all-rounder ability as a striker as well as a wing-back now. And just make sure that you have good bench cover in case Perisic doesn't show. This is FPL Teacher and I will bring you Aston Villa 1, Palace 3 up next. <laughs>